Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T minus 37 seconds. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I am your host, Ryan Treasure. I want to give you guys all a big shout out and thank you for tuning into the program today. We have a great show for everyone. As you guys know, last week we had an awesome show on, uh, you know, we, we we really went into the weeds with uh, the folks from Handle Group with Chris Boyce talking about leadership development uh, and the importance of leadership. And we're kind of continuing uh, that idea on with this particular program as well, because I think if there's one thing that the world needs more of, it's more leadership. And when I say leadership, not just people jumping around and bossing people around, but people who have true leadership, servant leaders, people who understand, you know, what it really means to be uh, a leader of human beings and a leader of teams. Um, so we've got a great guest who's on with us today. Uh, David Noor is a senior leadership board advisor, educator, executive coach, and best-selling author. He's internationally recognized as the leading expert on applications of strategic relationships and profitable growth, sustained innovation, and lasting change. Oh, we love lasting change. David, welcome to the show. It is, uh, Ryan, good to be with you. Hey, we appreciate you taking time to uh, be on with us. I know you're a really busy guy. You got uh, all kinds of stuff going on with uh, 2021, kind of getting back into the swing of the uh, event spaces and uh, those types of things opening back up. I'm sure that uh, you're going to be pretty busy here the latter part of this year as you probably start speaking again. Not sure if you or your audience realize, but in person is a thing again. Yeah. <laughs> it is get getting together in person is a thing again. So, yeah, I'm blessed. A lot of... Uh, Great excitement about getting uh, relationships back, getting customers back, getting supply chain friends back, and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So booked several speaking engagements for Q2, Q3, Q4 as we all get vaccinated. It'll, it'll be I never thought I'd say this, but it'd be good to travel again and <laughs> right. get back to uh, back to seeing friends and stages and dinners and all those things we used to do in the pre-pandemic world. Yes, and I will be excited because part of one of the things that Voice America does is we go to those types of events and we broadcast them live with our live events channel and bring that content to a wider audience. And I have not been on location to go do a live event for a year and a half now, and it is driving me absolutely bonkers. I am ready to go set up the microphones, get the cameras, set up the, you know, the Mevo, the 4K. I got a bunch of new stuff to play with over the last year that I haven't got to deploy in a live scenario but i'm right there with you david it's it's so so good that uh, things are kind of starting to get back to normal i had a conversation earlier today with one of our radio shows that does uh, deal with supply chain they work with sap and one of their biggest comments was, um, you know, some some companies that were very prepared for supply chain problems and some companies that were very unprepared. And uh, uh, a gentleman from Deloitte who was on the panel uh, was talking about Nike. Right. And how quick Nike was to pivot their their supply chain from, you know, their their warehouses and their uh, outlet mall destinations and retail destinations and get that product turned back around and put into their uh, online facility where they could sell through Amazon and through their own website. Uh, and I think, you know, when you when you talk about supply chain, supply chain has been ultimately impacted probably the worst of anything uh, as far as the pandemic is, is obviously besides the loss of human life. But um, like I remember, you know, two years ago, I was building something for my wife, right? And she sends me over to Home Depot to get some wood. And, you know, I go buy a piece of plywood and it's like, you know, $20 or something like that. And I was at Home Depot yesterday because I was thinking about, hey, maybe Maybe prices are starting to come down. Maybe I can build my, my wife wants me to build a table and uh, I go there and they're like $83 for one sheet of plywood. And I went, oh, my God, supply chain is just messed up. You're exactly right. And and whether it's Nike or others, none of us can predict the future. 
But those that proactively plan for it are mm-hmm. the ones that are going to set themselves apart from their competitive peers. So initially it was a supply shock. Then it was a demand shock because everybody put brakes on. <laughs> yep. And now it seems to be supply shock again because we've all used up and, and certain sectors more so than others. Like I, I read, you can't get microprocessors. And guess what? You need those for cars and motorcycles and boats and all these other things that we've yep. sold out of that we can't now backfill because we can't get those individual parts. So I think this this pandemic is gonna have a, a ripple effect on several different industries, even after we're all vaccinated and get back together again. Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you're saying there too. And you know, that microchip component is, is, is a, is a really important thing. Cause it's, it's not just cars and motorcycles. Um, those microchips are also inside of computers, uh, and the computer I'm using right now that I use for audio and video editing, uh, video editing GPUs are starting to become so expensive right now. Um, it's insane. So God forbid you're trying to do a Bitcoin mining operation and you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, keep up on the latest and greatest with, you know, uh, ray tracing uh, 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 you know, uh, video cards and high-end video cards. Good luck. Can't find them because those microprocessors that are leveraged inside of those are the same ones you use in the cars. <laughs> which, which absolutely, which goes back to you know the wisdom in just-in-time, right? We've been using just-in-time inventory and just-in-time supply chain and all those things for years because they made a lot of sense in normal times. And I think anybody who hasn't lived in a cave in the last thirteen months would tell you that. You know, I think that the painful lesson we've learned from this pandemic is just how woefully underprepared we were. And 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 yeah. if we don't learn anything else, as you said, beyond the lives and the livelihoods that this thing has impacted, if we don't learn how to think and lead differently in the post-pandemic world, none of us are going to find our frequency. Right? None of us are going <laughs> to no. find no. what what works and and how to anticipate. Can you imagine, by the way, if if the last 12, 13 plus months, we didn't have internet access, right? I think we'll be in a deeper credit than we are now and get a lot of, our yeah, bu- a lot of my, our, my, my business that I work at here at Voice America would be defunct. It would be gone. It wouldn't, it wouldn't and, exist. And, and most executives are worried that the next major disruption could be cyber. God forbid, it could be a natural disaster. It would destroy so, Amazon. Uh, Amazon would go uh, kaput. How are we, all of us, as individuals, as teams, as organizations, if you if none of have a, none of us have a crystal ball, if you don't, if you can't anticipate when that next disruption is going to be, how will you prepare for it? How will you prepare? How will you plan? How will you, from your talent to your systems to your infrastructure, create contingency and emergency and continuity plans? So. It, you're not going to eliminate the disruption, but you can certainly try to minimize. Yeah, mitigation is definitely the 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 word of the day, and and you know I always like to use the word about the pandemic and pivoting as well, right? Uh, you know, you you're, you 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 may have been an. Uh, in-person kind of business right and you had to pivot to online and figure out how you know webinars worked and you know those types of things uh you know the same thing was for us you know we had people coming into our studio every day doing live radio shows in studio here in phoenix and uh you know i had to i had to go start making tutorial videos of how to use zoom and microphones and you know all these different things that we would normally be doing for our customers here in the studio they had to do kind of on their own because we weren't having uh anybody in the studio unless it was one person by themselves right then we then they could come in but there's not really a way to physically distance inside of a closed studio with more than one or two people so it was a little you know uh, a pivot that we had to do to t- teach our people about how they can leverage the existing systems that we have but integrating some new technologies that allow them to um, even be more mobile and what's actually happened is um, it, it's it's not the funnest thing for me because I'm not seeing my my, my hosts in the studio as much anymore but because we've done that, we've opened up a whole other world for them too. You know, they can be traveling, they can be out anywhere they want to do their show. They don't have to necessarily be, you know, here in Phoenix at the studio. Uh, you know, I have USB condenser microphone and will travel, right? <laughs> so that's- you're, you're, ex- you're exactly right. And, and, and that same ripple effect has happened in organizations trying to attract talent or you know, people casting a much wider net. Exactly as you said, if, if your business model was predicated on physical proximity, 
you have to maneuver. Now, by mm-hmm. the way, it's a lot easier to maneuver if you got a strong balance sheet, right? If you've got that <laughs> runway, that maneuverability, whether it's something I call labor flex, right? So let's just say we hired Susan to be our events manager before this pandemic. Pandemic hits, we're not having any events, but we like Susan. So how do we reskill, upskill, and redeploy her to really support our sales team or support our customer experience team or some other facet of the business? I call that labor flex, but also those that, let's just say the pandemic hit in March. March and April, we're trying to figure out where the coffee was, right? And how do we how do we make Zoom or Team or Skype or any of that stuff work? By May, June, July, those that didn't just play defense but took more of an offensive strategy, made some prudent bets, whether it was on digital or, as you said, maneuvering their capabilities, just like you've done with your show, not only – Ryan, I'm, I'm talking to several clients that actually had a really good year in 20. And by the way, first quarter of 21 is mm-hmm. equally strong because they maneuvered. Yeah. And those that didn't are not playing catch up. Yeah, that's 100% correct. And, you know, um, kind of alluding back to the story I had told uh, about supply chain with Nike and, and, and the show that we recorded today called Think Tank that you can listen to on Voice America. Um the reason why Nike was so prepared for that is because they sat down one day and they said, Hey, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if this happens? And they had a contingency plan uh, or a mitigation plan and a strategy across several different sectors of what if, right? And there's a lot of companies, including ours, you know, we, we have a bunch of contingencies, but we never had one for this. Right. It was, this wasn't even something that would even hit our radar in in uh, in 2019 or in 2015 when we did our uh, we did our five year planning uh, or 2016 when we did our five year planning. Not, uh, uh, you know, a collapse of the economy, a world pandemic. That wasn't even something that even the smartest people in our company had even thought about. We thought about all kinds of other things. Now, one of the things that was very helpful is one of our contingency plans was very similar to you know, a global pandemic or an economic crisis of some sort. Um, And it was actually the plan that we would have for what would happen if 2008 happened all over again. Right. And so you had that housing bubble. We were able to take pieces of that plan, right. And implement them in a way and pivot in a direction where not all of it was workable, but most of it was, you know, and here we are now coming into 2021. And just, just like you said, um, 2020 wasn't the best for us, but we didn't lose money. Now here we are in 2021, things are starting to come back and we're starting to see profits in Q1 again. You know, and I think there's a lot of companies that are going through similar situations as, you know, things start to rebound and get back into place. But if you're not if you're not if you're not back in black <laughs> now, um, you got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, and and it's a testament that, you know, none of us saw this this impact and this crater and this a massive 13 plus month disruption. I don't think anybody saw it coming. No. Uh, again, the other, Ryan, the other thing I keep thinking of is courage to act, right? So, you know, Kodak, I'm reminded, Kodak had one of the first digital camera, you know, technologies, but they were so married to chemicals that they yielded that market opportunity to Fuji. Yep. Similarly, there's there's no secret sauce with trends. We all see them. We all see them happening. We all hear about them right now with NFTs, right? The, these <laughs> these digital assets with NFTs. And yep. as you brought up, you know, uh, Coinbase, I think, went public the other day. And this is, this is a movement. This is this whole digital encryption, this, this abundance to exclusivity approach. This, this is not, I, I don't believe this is something that's going to go away. So, most of us can see intelligently read about we hear about these things it's the courage to act that sets some people apart from others and beyond the hype i i I just i i don't get that excited about the hype but i'm curious enough to pull back the onion and figure out yeah what's and what's going to profoundly change Mm -hmm. the way we interact and we engage and you know apple if you've been on apple store lately 
you know, now you got to set up an appointment and they walk you around some like some sort of, a, a, you know, observation and you can't touch anything. It's almost like everything anti Apple store. So they've made that experience highly transactional. And then you hear of highly transactional e-commerce sites creating gamification and creating more experiential experiences. And yep. right. So it's an example of evolution of commerce. An evolution of how we buy and how we engage and how we influence and you're going to continue to see those types of dynamic environments happen and the only way to remain relevant is continue to learn and grow and adapt and apply those learning not failures but learning moments into your own personal team and organizations reinvention and evolution yeah, and I think that's, you know, what it is for probably 99.9% of, of businesses out there across the entire globe right now. Um, what we what we used to know as the normal will never return to what it was before. It's never going to be that way, right? There's there's companies now, you know, I, I look at it. I, I don't know a lot about other companies. I know, a lot, I know about my company and about, I know about Voice America. We have a unique opportunity that we've never had before. Right. We always hired people that were right here in Arizona, right? That come to the come to our, our facility and you know, you have your space and you have an office and you know, you can come and do your executive producing duties. We don't we don't need that anymore. It's 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 literally not a necessary. You know, we've watched um, uh, advertising sales people who had gone home and uh, you know, thirty, forty percent increase in their sales by being at home. Right in the middle of a pandemic where no one wants to buy any advertising. Right. Um, and, and the same thing goes with uh, social media and uh, some of our other promotional team members, you know, that they don't necessarily need to be here. I've watched our social media media numbers skyrocket just because the person who doesn't who does the social stuff doesn't have to commute anymore. And so now that she doesn't have to commute anymore, you know, that extra hour that she has to commute, she actually uses that hour to give the company extra work time. Uh, you, you, you're exactly right, and I think a lot of people are really surprised of how well this global experiment of let's send 100 million people to work from home has actually turned out because we figured out that not only we can be really productive because we're not commuting, because we're not spending our lives away in useless meetings, because of all the things that we did pre-pandemic, but Brian, I would submit that, one, there's no going back. I think we the only thing we do is we move forward, right? Number one. Number two, I think a lot of people may be thinking about this idea of coming back to work completely wrong because we're, you know, I don't know about you. What I'm hearing is companies talking about do we come back three days a week? Do we come back two days a week? And are we in the office all day? The opportunity here is to, as you're alluding to, it's reimagine work. Yeah. We think about work. And I wrote in my latest book about work life blending. Because that's the other thing a lot of people figured out is, listen, I like my spouse and we all, you know, we're working both from home. I actually would like to have lunch with her. And maybe after that, we take the dogs for a walk. That doesn't mean I don't care about my work and I'll get to the email. As a matter of fact, I'm doing more email and more updates and all kinds of stuff after the kids go to bed. But I'm home when they come home from home or, you know, we have more meals together. Or And maybe it is because a lot of our entertainment options got limited. But we're now for the first time integrating our personal aspirations with our professional obligations. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer this rub. It's no longer this friction of forced work-life balance because while I'm on vacation, I'm thinking all the work that's getting piled up. And while I'm working, I'm thinking I'd rather be on vacation. We've got now work-life blending. And it is, it is shining a light into this much more holistic person that where work fuels our life and not pre-pandemic where yeah. all we did is work our way into strokes and heart attacks and <laughs> kill ourselves for that two-week vacation. Yeah, no, you you, you make a, a prudent point. And, you know, one of the things that Voice America has looked at is, is instead of thinking like, hey, you know, we can we can go back to the way we were, you know, I was in a, I was in a management meeting. Um, the, there's, you know, three, three main leadership uh, personnel here at the company, the owner, the CEO, uh, the, the chief financial officer and myself as VP of operations. Right. So the three of us sat down and we go, okay, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, number one, we have a 6,800 square foot facility that has six people in it right now. So that's probably number one on the list is uh, what, when is our lease up? Let's find a building that more suits our needs currently. 
right? And I said, let's have a building that has, you know, four conference rooms instead of 10 offices, right? Maybe one or two offices. I still do come to the, to the studio every day. I commute, but you know what? My work-life blend has been so much different also. Even though I'm still commuting, I don't, I don't come to the studio all day. Like as soon as I get done with this interview, it'll be, it'll be 3.15 Arizona time, right? I'm going to go home after this. Right, I come in in the morning because I, I I drop my daughter off at school in the morning because now that she's back at school, which is fantastic for her. Um, I, I come into the studio, I check on my team, everybody good, you guys need anything, you know, whatever meetings I might need to have with my internal team that are physically here on premise, and then I go home. And then when I get home, guess what? Like you said, um, my daughter goes to karate. When she gets home from, because uh, I go from school to karate, when she gets home from school or from karate, guess who's home? Dad's home. That hasn't happened, you know, that, that never used to be the way that it was, you know, and now, and now dad's home and you know what dad's already been doing since, since, uh, since I've been home, I have, I have dinner ready to go or mostly ready to go, uh, when my wife gets home. So that way they're ready to go. I do karate as well. My, my karate is a later class, but the least I could do for my family is make sure that the meal is starting to be prepared for that evening while so my wife just walks in and goes, all right, what do you need me to do? And I said, let this simmer for 10 minutes. Let this go for 10. I'm going to go change and I'll eat dinner when I get home. And, and imagine asking everybody who the last 13 months has figured out this this new way of blending, like I said, the things they really enjoy doing yeah. with what they feel like they, they want to do or need to do for work back to an office environment, back to that crappy commute that none of us really enjoyed. I just don't think that's going to happen. And I think increasingly people have used this pandemic to ask themselves some really tough questions like, do I really want to go back to that grind? Do I really want to go back to, you know, late hours in the office? Do I really want to miss out on the things that that re refill my mm -hmm. cup and and are soul enriching for for some office? And the answer is typically no, thank you. I, yeah, I mean, the fact I like that my the fact that my wife can go to the school and pick my daughter up, pick our daughter up every single day, right? And it's not okay. Well, when you get done with class, you're gonna go uh, over here to this kids club after school program that costs mom and dad extra money just so that way we can stay at work for two extra hours after you get off of school. Um, you know, number one, I'm saving money in my household because I don't have to send her to those anymore. Number two, those things are jankety programs in the first place that don't give any attention to your children. They don't help them with their homework like they say they're going to. But guess who does? Mom does. In and and mom and child are happier because they're spending more quality time together. And and again, we we figured out how to make this thing work. So an enormous opportunity for every leader. I don't care if you run a small business or you run a in a massive PNL. The opportunity for every leader is rethink, reimagine, reinvent how we define work, how we define productivity. Before we used to, by the way, let's also be honest, a lot of what we did before was just dysfunctional, right? <laughs> interviews, interviews, yes, yeah, send a resume. Resumes are dead, right? Send me a five minute video of why, how you think you can impact our, our business. And you're much, you have a much better chance of gaining visibility into into our place so a lot of what i'm hoping for what i'm praying for is a lot of the lessons we've learned a lot of what we figured out in what really worked this last 13 months let's put to work in rethinking reimagining reinventing retooling recalibrating how we define work and and what we expect of others is not showing up in person and and you're talking to somebody who Grew up working eighty-hour weeks, right? Yeah. Technology and a lot of those other fields. I'm right or, there. I'm right there with you, David. <laughs> right. I just let's rethink about outcome, not just output. As a founder or business owner, you know what it's like to run your entire business from your inbox. Between the sales, recruiting, and fundraising emails, things can get messy really fast. Streak is a CRM designed to help stay on top of each part of your process and your inbox without leaving Gmail. Amazing. Let's not leave Gmail. Let's just work from right there. Streak gives you tools for email tracking, mail merges, and snippets, saves you time, and you can scale up your email efficiency. In just a few minutes, you can also set up pipelines right inside your inbox, start tracking your contacts and emails through each process. Streak helps you collaborate by sharing emails and pipelines with team members, whether you work in an office, out in the field, or on a remote team. 
Pipelines are completely customizable so you can track processes and details specific to your business. Access your pipeline on desktop or mobile app to add and share information in meetings, at job sites, or however you work on the go. Sign up for Streak today at streak.com slash frequency and get 20% off your first year of their pro plan, their most popular option. That's streak.com slash frequency for 20% off their pro plan. Streak.com slash frequency. When you talk about, you know, the measurement of success for employees in business, you know, I'm going to use sales as an example, right? So before the pandemic, cold calling was like dead, right? Like God, God forbid you cold call someone. They're going to get so angry at you. Well, you know what happened? Uh, We didn't know where people were at or what happened or what was going on or any of that. So our company actually started cold calling again. That was something we hadn't done since, geez, 2010, maybe, you know, and, and they're like, why would you cold call? And I'm like, trust me, people need people to talk to right now. People need personal one-off touches, not email marketing campaigns, not, you know, Facebook ads. They need, people need to be talking to people right now, you know, and, and some of the producers thought I was crazy, you know, thought that the CEO was crazy. And they were like, you know, just, just try and see what happens. Right. And then it was like, well, is there a quota for number of phone calls we have to make? Or is there a quota for this? And it's like, no, no, the quota is the number of dollars you bring in the door. Right. If you can bring in one hundred thousand dollars in business by making two phone calls, then great. If you can make one hundred thousand dollars in business by sending two emails, then great. If it takes you four, six, eight, twelve, a hundred, whatever that number is, as long as you're getting to whatever the number is that's required of you as a salesperson, I don't care how you get there. And I think that's part of a reinvention of, of, of looking at different things in uh, not just new school ways, but old school ways that died who have maybe found their way back into um, spaces in business that people may have forgotten about. Um, Cause I know for us, the cold call thing, even though I'm not a big advocate of cold calling, but if you cold call someone and you say, Hey David, how you doing? My name is Ryan treasure. Do you have 10 minutes to talk? I'm not selling you anything. I just asked you if you had 10 minutes to talk. You know, and so that's the whole idea where people get so crossed with cold call human being versus auto dials and all those, you know, God forbid you go fill out that you want solar uh, panels for your house. <laughs> you, you get phone calls for like two weeks. <laughs> Same thing yeah, with car insurance, but it's a different, beyond, a different way of going about it. Absolutely. And beyond talking to individuals, Ryan, the, the problem stack also got reshuffled, right? So mm-hmm. we all had new needs that we didn't have before, right? I, I invested in digital, I bought a camera and I bought lighting and, and new services and how do I do some of this stuff that maybe I had other people do for me or I would go in somewhere to get it done and I wanted to become more self-sufficient. That's one. The other thing we noticed is real, meaningful relationships Yeah, took a elevated position, right? So if you knew someone before this pandemic, heck of a lot easier to reconnect with them and re-engage with them. And again, not to sell them something, but ask them, how you doing? And what are you seeing? Yeah. And what are you hearing? And what are you guys doing differently? And by the way, everybody talks about empathy. You don't understand empathy till you talk to a leader who just had to you know, furlough or lay off 95% of the workforce and close all their hotels or their travel business got just killed, right? Or all the different retail, all the different places and companies that have struggled. If you had the relationship to reconnect and re-engage and ask, what can I do to help? My supposition is elevated you and deepened that relationship to a different level. <laughs> and if you bet on those relationships before, during, after a low point, it's amazing the benefits they will yield for days and weeks and months and years to come. Yeah, you know, far too often I hear from people who are, you know, trying to get back into the workforce uh, because they got furloughed or laid off. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm not going to go work at Jack in the Box or I'm not going to go work at, you know, Taco Bell, you know, and and I I understand that from some respects. But I mean, I like I'd rather be working, doing something than doing nothing, you know, and I'll get to the point of this, uh, 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 this in just a second. My daughter and I, every Monday morning, when we when we go to school, um, we like to go to Jack in the Box, right? And we like to get a breakfast sandwich. She gets an orange juice. I get iced coffee because Starbucks is ridiculously expensive, right? So I'll go to Jack in the Box. They have good iced coffee. 
one day we went to pull through there last week and Jack in the Box was closed. And I was like, oh, maybe just the drive throughs closed. Let's go inside. Nope, it was closed. So then we ended up, you know, going to a different place. But we, don't, we like Jack in the Box. That's our spot. And so this morning, today's Monday, we're recording this on the 19th of April. Uh, so this morning we like, oh, let's go see if Jack in the Box is open. And sure enough, it was open. And I kindly asked the manager, and now they these these folks know me. I've been going to this, my, my daughter's seven, so she started school when she was four. So we've been going to Jack in the Box getting breakfast sandwiches for three years, right? So these these folks know us pretty well. You know, I pull up and I'm like, hey, Mary, how's everything going with you today? I noticed that you guys weren't open on Monday. What's going on? And she goes, I can't find employees. And I went, are you serious? She's like, yeah, we even upped $1.50 an hour for starting people for this, that, or the other. And I'm like, I'm like, and what do you need? Morning, afternoon people? What are you looking for? And she's like, she asked me why, why, why would I care? And I said, well, having this Jack in the box open on Monday mornings for me and my daughter to come to is this important enough to me that I will go and spread your message of your need for employment, uh, for, for people to, of employment to the, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids that I know that live down my street that are always wanting to, you know, Hey, can I mow your lawn? Can I do this? Can I, you know, ones that are entrepreneurs, those go-getters and let them know that Jack in the box is hiring. You know, and and even though it's Jack in the Box, and I know it's just such a, a, a kind of a, a, a moot component, um, that time with my daughter is very important to me. You know, and if that means that I need to make a relationship with the manager of Jack in the Box to go help them find some local kids to come work, I'll do that, right? And and I, I would have probably not done that pre-pandemic. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have meant that much to me. Yeah, over the uh, similarly over the weekend, I don't know if you saw, but there was a uh, TikTok video that went viral of some woman captured a sign at a at a McDonald's that says, you know, be patient, we're low staffed. Same thing, we can't find enough people to work. And this is not a political statement, but between the 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 government subsidies and other things that people have gotten, yeah. right? I think we're losing some of that edge of let's get back to and and let's move forward with you know how do we and and you're right there's places that are increasing their you know minimum hourly rates and there's adding benefits and 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 that by the way that labor is going to continue to be in demand and it's going to continue to all kinds of businesses are going to struggle to find great people and that great talent is always going to be a challenge for people to find particularly in the post-pandemic again right in some ways going back to what we just talked about which is We've all had a chance to push reset on what's most important to me, your case, the time with your daughter. What am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? I, again, <laughs> I, I was on the road 208 days in 19. I was on the road 22 days in 20. And I got a chance to reconnect with my wife and my kids. And now the wife is asking, don't you have to travel? Don't you have to go somewhere? <laughs> like, would you please... Like they, I know you've been vaccinated. Would you please go to get a flight somewhere? Right? <laughs> go go <laughs> right talk to some me. people. Get out of here. <laughs> please, just anywhere. I don't care who you go talk to. Just right. <laughs> By the same token, you know, it's been really nice to reconnect and re-engage and spend time with kids. And and by the way, for those that might be in the spring of your careers, everybody tells you this. You never believe them of how ridiculously fast our kids grow up, and we don't believe them until it actually happens to you. My daughter's finishing up her first year at Georgia Tech, and. I'm pretty convinced we brought her home from the hospital like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you don't believe how fast this time flies and it's one that you're never going to get back. So I think I mentioned a mentor's driven into me that real wealth is discretionary time. We can make more money, but you're not going to be able to get that time back. So so how what are you learning from this pandemic? How will you apply this in recalibrating your what what really matters to you? on the other side of it. Yeah, that's that's very well said. And, you know, a lot of the idea of being successful, you know, used to be how much money do I have? How many houses do I have? Do I have, you know, cool cars? Do I have, you know, illustrious friends or whatever the case may be? And, you know, I really feel like, you know, after this pandemic has happened, me internally just sitting back and thinking about those things that are important to me, you know, my level of success now has nothing to do with dollars and cents at all and has 100% to do with raising a well-adjusted human being that can take care of herself and, and being there as every step of the way and, and, and being part of that, you know, family unit, uh, that, 
is most important to me as a human being, you know, and you know, some stuff we started doing too, which was, you know, uh, not, not normal. Everyone's like, all right, you're, you got to sequester into your homes. If it's not your immediate family, don't talk, don't still see anybody, don't talk to anybody. Don't, you know, no meeting six feet apart. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. My mother's, my mother's 71 years old. She lives with my 98 year old grandmother, right? At my, at my mother's house. I was like, and I, you want me to just leave them alone? I'm like, you're absolutely nuts. There's, if there's one rule I'm breaking, that's one that I'm breaking, you know? And so we started going over there every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday for the last year, you know, a little, you know, over a year and a half. And now I could not see my Sundays being any different than hanging out with that time with my grandmother, my mother, my wife, and my daughter. Um, and the exponential things that my daughter gets to learn by having that additional exposure to her grandmother and her great grandmother simultaneously is indispensable knowledge. There's some stuff that my mom knows that I could never teach anyone because I'm not my mom, but my mom can teach that stuff to my daughter and had the pandemic not happened, we would have not changed the way our weekly routine was to make sure that we were spending more time with those other parts of the family. And now it's become a normal for us. And, and you're, you're, you're blessed and you're lucky that you're within physical proximity of that family. My heart goes out to, you know, families that can't be together. Agreed. They're physically, you know, right? They're across country. And, and I, by the way, I got to tell you, I love the creativity. I talked to a, a friend who literally rented an RV, right? So the kids were in remote learning. Him and his wife were working, quote, from home. So it was like, why can't we work from anywhere? Rented an RV. And, and drove, I think, from California to Maine, right, and took four months, and they went and visited, you know, family and friends in other places, and they lived and worked out of an RV. Again, another example of work-life blending, because he even said, pre-pandemic, he would have never thought of this and would have, would have been able to do it. The kids are in school. We've got offices to go into, and this, this really unfortunate event that, that impacted a lot of lives. I think has given us that opportunity to push reset and really think about what's most important to you. What are you willing to go after? What are you willing to sacrifice? And 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 last time I checked, you never see a hearse that is pulling a U-Haul trailer, right? <laughs> you can't take this stuff with you. So what can you do with that limited time we all have to to really maximize those connections and those engagements and those interactions. By the way, this is as relevant with our families as it is in the office. Oh, as it 100%. Is in work, as it is, life is too short to deal with jerks. So what are you doing to surround yourself with people you like? With It's not always going to be perfect. But are you surrounding yourself with that ideal relationship profile of people who think like you do and they believe in the same things and are willing to invest in the relationship and not be penny wise and pound foolish when it comes to that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a hundred percent. If I'm, if I'm going to spend my time doing something, it better be time well worth the time that I'm taking out to be able to do that. And that includes, you know, different friendships and, you know, different things, um, you know, and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's been, it's been interesting too. you know, you, you talk about, you know how important the time is and 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 looking back as your as your daughter's getting ready to finish her first year in college and and you're like oh my goodness i just brought her home you know i, I feel like that too even though my daughter's seven i'm like oh my god second grade is almost over but weren't wasn't i just changing her diaper my, my wife and i were just having this conversation uh, over the weekend it was it was quite funny uh my wife had like emergency c-section her birth wasn't very good for her for mom so when mom got home mom was bedridden for a couple of weeks because she had swollen legs and all this kind of stuff well well dad got to do everything dad got to change the diapers do the feeding do the this and do the that and i, I literally feel like it was just yesterday that i was waking up at three o'clock in the morning and i was you know handling those things <laughs> and now here we are you know my daughter's about to be in third grade uh she has straight a's She's reading the books on relativity and science and math and all of these things that I never even knew interested in her until I just bought some books one day and I was like, hey, check these out, you know, and she just fiddled through them. And the next thing I know, I had a phone call from the teacher and they're like, oh, Ryan, you know, your kid's not supposed to be bringing non textbooks to school, right? 
And I'm like, oh, no, what did she bring? And she goes, well, I'm not really that upset because she just brought the theory of relativity. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, then we must be doing something right if you're you know, telling me that she brought theory of relativity and not my little pony. <laughs> yeah, you, here's newsflash from older, if you know any older dads that are, that are a friend of yours, wait till she starts driving. Oh, God. Well, I mean, your heart is in your throat. Wait, wait till, God forbid, boys come around. Wait till, you know, she leaves... She leaves home for college. Mama Bear is going to be upset for a while, but, but it puts a dent in dad's heart as well because your little little baby, little girl is, is not going to be around, and that energy that's around them, it, it also kind of leaves. But by the same token, it's circle of life, right? You, you, you work your tail off for 18 years to develop, and it reminds me again a lot of how we develop our people. You you coach and train and teach and you try to arm them with the ammunition to go and build a life of their own that 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 they can be proud of and you can be proud that you had a small part in in that learning and growth but but news flash for your younger listeners adulting is real <laughs> it is it is real it is it is uh, ever present it is you're, you're gonna have to move out of parents house and uh, get off the books please and um, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, stand up on your own two feet and actually you know get a job, keep a job, maybe find a spouse of your own. So yeah, laundry, laundry will be a shock to your system. But yes, all those things are, are coming. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's a uh, that's a hundred percent true right there. Uh, adulting is absolutely real, and uh, you know we we've done some shows on on relationships and early childhood development on finding your frequency before, and you know one of the things that always just comes top of mind is that you know the same type of mentorship and coaching that you provide your employees, you're providing to your children, and vice versa. You know, and you know a lot of times when you're in a in a leadership position, your mother, father, you know, grandfather, uncle, sister, you know, all of those things to sometimes even your employees, right? Um, because they they look at you for guidance and mentorship and you know one of the greatest feelings i've ever had was training an employee here having them be one of the top-notch employees here and then unfortunately they left us but do you want to know why they left us they left us because i trained her so good and she was so good at her job she ended up moving to los angeles and working for george lopez right and and you know and i I couldn't be mad at her, myself. I couldn't be mad at anybody. All I felt was joy. Joy to the fact that we were able to, you know, spend the time that we did spend with her and that she was able to go follow her dreams because of some training that we provided her. You know, and it's like the same thing with your children, right? You know, you 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 spend that 18 years, you've given them the guidance, giving those things, and, and you hope that it returns the fruit, um, you know, back the other direction. And even though Mama Bear has that little bit of a loss uh, when, when, when a baby flies the coop. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's circle of life and stuff that needs to happen. I, re I, I left I left the homestead when I was 17. I was like, Mom, I graduated high school early. Say, sign this right here on the dotted line, and I'm going to the Navy. She was like, what? I'm like, yes, I can't, I'm, I'm, I can't hang out here. I'm not going to work at Arby's. You know, um, just sign this paper and let me go to the Navy. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's really difficult for any small business to lose, you know, a valued yeah. employee. But, but, you know, two things I want you to think of is, A, building in a culture that people want to come and learn and grow through and, and really building and leveraging that alumni networking is one. Number two, I've also heard people say, well, what if we train them and they leave? And my response is always the same. What if we don't and they stay? <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, now, now you've got a bigger issue because you don't have as competent or capable of employees to take care of your customers and take care of your partners and your supply chain and last time I checked a players also attract other a players so yeah, would you rather have an a player for three six months nine months a year contributing to your brand contributing to your company and by the way helping you attract other a players or do you really want to be in the babysitting business where you're surrounded by a bunch of B, C, D, E, F, Q players that, <laughs> you know, can't go from here to there without hand-holding. And, and I, I never mind uh, developing a young person to be the best version of themselves. Hopefully it's here with me, but if it's on our team, but if it's not, God bless them. You can't yeah. handcuff people to a job. Let, let them go and prosper 
and hopefully they'll remember you as a coach or a mentor or a guide or someone that really set them off on the right journey. Yeah, I think far too often leaders get so, you know, kind of stuck in their own heads at times thinking like, well, if I train my employees too well, you know, then, you know, I, you know, they're going to take my job or they're going to steal my ideas. I tell my employees all the time. I'm like, listen, if you, if you, if you guys can cram the knowledge that I have of our industry into your brain and you can one day take my job, I'm all for that because I'm not going to be here forever. Somebody's going to have to step up at some point and do what I do, you know? And so if I'm not training those employees to know the things that I know, to do the things that I've learned and to put in processes and procedures, but also at the same time, leave an open door mentality available to allow, um, you know, ideas to flow from the bottom up and not necessarily just from the top down. You know, I really think that that also fosters a great environment of of listening to your employees just as much as you would listen to your customers about your product. You should listen to your employees just as much about the product and procedures as well. And, and, and I can't imagine a more insightful source than your people that are at the edge of where you create value every day, right? So one of the you brought up relationships. My first book was called Relationship Economics. And one of the myths or misperceptions about relationships is that it's purely external, right? Customers, partners, investors, media, everybody outside this place. I often remind people, like a family, if it's dysfunctional on the inside, everybody else notices. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else figures it out. So investing in those few fewer people, Believe it or not, I actually believe in fewer employees, but investing in fewer people who are competent, capable, see that investment, are taking initiative, reciprocate that kindness that you showed them, appreciating them, recognizing them, hearing their voices, implementing some of their ideas. You know what? It may not be perfect, but it's theirs. And and letting them own the outcome of, of those decisions, letting them, it's okay to, uh, I'm an old Eagle Scout, my son's an Eagle Scout, I distinctly remember going on a backpacking trip where the boys were leading, and as an adult advisor, your job is not to tell them what to do, your job is to ask questions and help them understand what to do and how to do it. And I knew for a fact that they were going in the wrong direction on this hiking trail. <laughs> and, and, and Ryan, it turned out to be a five mile and and that's with a backpack on your back, that's painful. Yeah. But a five-mile mistake. But you know what? They figured it out. And years later, they talked about it. Oh, my God, can't believe our Sky Masters let us go do that. And But you know what? They, they figured out maps and compasses and orientation and lessons that I believe will carry for the rest of their lives. So newsflash for every leader listening. It's okay for people to scrape their knees. And as long as they get back up and don't think of it as failure, think of it as learning moments. Yeah, it's not and, it's not it's not what it's not it's not the fact that they made a mistake, it's what do they do after that mistake? And and I've got a friend who by the way is a retired army colonel. I love and she's now an associate dean at a university and she I love her comment. Every time a, you know, deadline or project or initiative comes up, she asks, "Will anybody lose a limb?" If, if we don't, right, if this doesn't happen, will anybody actually lose an eyesight if this initiative or project doesn't get done in the perfect manner in which we, the answer is no. For most of us, nobody's dying on our shifts, right? <laughs> right. So creating an environment where people are unafraid of retribution, creating a culture that's unafraid of failing forward. Now, now if you're launching a rocket or doing you know surgery, by all means, please get it right. But for rest of us, no growth ever comes from a place of comfort. And that opportunity to learn and grow and make ever I don't know about you, Ryan, about you, but ever since I was a kid, it was driven into me that failure is bad. And what I've learned later in life is failure is part of that learning and that growth and that experience. That's, and that that's something I'm learning right now as a dad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly because I grew up the same way, right? Fail, fail, fail. You did this bad. You did this bad. You don't do this. Don't do that. You know, uh, you know, that type of mentality. And so I, I grew up that way. Um, and so it's been very hard and challenging for me as a father now to kind of 
reprogram myself to not be that way with my kid. I want her to be adventurous. I want her to go out there and, and go and, and scrape her knees. And I don't, I don't want her to, I don't want her to be afraid of failure. You know, uh, by the way, this segment brought to you by the CFOs that are out there who are asking to please <laughs> fail cheap. If you could bust, please fail cheap, they would appreciate it. Not joking. Aside. <laughs> you know, you, you, you want to fail forward. You want to make yeah. that a learning moment and apply it. You sound like a recovering accountant. <laughs> yeah. Fail, you know, you'll use that as a learning moment to move ideas forward, move people forward. And, and let's make sure that we don't do things that, you know, headaches we can take an aspirin for. Aneurysms was going to kill us. Very well said, David. Very, very well said. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, want to give a big shout out to David Knorr, who's been on the show with us today. Uh, we, we, we went all over the place today, which is the type of conversations I really like to have on the program. Um, you know, unscripted, you know, completely off the cuff, talking about the things that you and I feel uh, are really mattering in, in, in life and in business. Uh, I want to make sure everybody knows where to go get your new book, The Curve Benders, um, which I believe is just coming out. Uh, where do we find that book? Yeah, easiest way, for, uh, again, Ryan, I appreciate you having me. Easiest way for, for your audience to learn more about me and my work is just our website, norgroup, N-O-U-R group.com. There's a blog and, and podcast and all kinds of a store. There's all kinds of good stuff, but you can also get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and anywhere else. The book is called Curve Benders. It is uh, out next week. It is, it'll be released next week, but it's available for pre-order now. And I appreciate you having me on uh, on your show. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to invite you back a little bit later on this year, kind of see how your your travel plans have have gone. And uh, uh, is your wife is your wife wanting you to come back home now that you traveled for a couple months? <laughs> I, I, I promised her I would be a classy homeless for a while and, <laughs> and then actually work my way back home. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Make sure uh, the to give us a five stars because we're five star human beings beings give us a rating share with your friends and then of course uh, if you're not listening to this on voice america that's okay i don't i don't i'm not upset with you but uh, you can also listen to the show anywhere uh, where podcasts are found and uh soon to be on pandora just talked to them last week so i'm excited about those guys you know how they are they're very finicky about which podcast they put into their pandora spot um so i think we're going to be able to get finding a frequency over there so we're super excited about that additional distribution channel um and it wouldn't be possible without the fantastic listeners like you guys who've been tuning in uh, since we started this program back in 2016 so big kudos and thanks to all the listeners out there and david thanks for being our guest today ladies and gentlemen come back next week 12 o'clock pacific three o'clock eastern right here on the voice america variety channel we'll bring you some more fantastic thought leadership on finding your frequency